Acts chapter 16, verse 23 to 40. I got it, great. After they'd been severely flogged, it's great being missionaries, isn't it? They were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he'd come to believe in God, he and his whole household. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave, go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens and threw us into prison. And now they want to get rid of us quietly. No, let them come themselves and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. Amen. Thank you. So just before Rich from Life Project Bath comes up to talk to us, we're going to watch a video, hopefully. Hello. Did you know that there are over 40 million people trapped in slavery right now? That means that one in 200 people globally are currently a victim of modern slavery. In the UK, this equates to over 136,000 potential victims of modern slavery present at every city and town in the UK at this moment in time. I'm Dennis from Unseen UK and we're a charity supporting survivors of modern slavery and human trafficking. And we aim to eradicate slavery in all its forms uh, and we do it in three different ways. We support survivors of slavery directly. We equip stakeholders to identify the signs and uh, eradicate the structures uh, that allow slavery to happen. And we're influencing systemic change to target the issue more holistically. 
So to do that, we provide safe houses where survivors live, get legal, pastoral and medical care. We do our outreach work in the community and we operate our modern slavery and exploitation helpline that is open 24-7 and is confidential for anyone to call on 08000 700. We also work uh, with stakeholders like we um, provide workshops for schools and universities, uh, training on how to spot signs of modern slavery, and we consult large businesses on their supply chains to eradicate the structures allowing for slavery to happen. And lastly, we're influencing systemic change by working with the local and central governments, police, border forces, to make sure that the legislation is appropriate to support survivors of slavery and uh, prosecute the criminals and exploiters. Thank you very much. Hello, did you? Great, thank you. So Rich works with Life Project, which is a charity in Bath that um, supports people with learning disabilities. And I'm assuming you will say more about it. Yeah? Okay, good. So I'm just going to pray for you now. Father God, thank you for Rich. Thank you for Life Project and all that they do to uh, help people with learning difficulties to shine, to flourish, to find meaningful occupations. We thank you for that work. And I pray um, your Holy Spirit on Rich now to guide him as he speaks to us and that we would have open hearts and ears to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. I got off lightly. I don't get the would you rathers. <laughs> no, no, there's no, there's no need to do it. That's fine. Um, more than happy to just skip that section of the thing. I was sitting there worried going, oh, no, I could do some of those, but others. Anyway, my name is Rich. It's great to be with you this morning um, and to be able to talk a little bit about the Life Project, uh, as well as trying to um, share something of uh, what well, I believe God uh, can speak to us through uh, this story that Paul uh, and Silas experienced. If we were to go slightly back in Acts, just to the beginning of the portion that talks about why they're in prison, because we began with a section that's like, and they're in prison. They got flogged and there they are. Why? Well, they are doing what Paul and Silas do, which is they've been traveling around and they're sharing the gospel and people are getting saved, which is wonderful. But the thing that gets them in prison is, as they were going, they were, they were going to the place of prayer when they met a slave girl. Okay? So we've just had a video from, I can't remember his name, but from Unseen, Talking about modern-day slavery, the reason that Paul and Silas are in prison is because they released somebody from slavery. So what happens is they meet this slave girl. She, I don't, I don't know whether you'd say she was gifted, cursed, blessed, but anyway, she, is, she has this spirit of um, divination. Uh, and so her slave owners are making money out of her because she can tell the future. So they're going, oh, this is great. And what Paul does, uh, and Silas do, they release her from this spirit. And therefore, she no longer is of any worth to the slave owners. And so they're like, this is ruining our financial income. And wait a minute, we're going to put her in prison. This is terrible. Um, yet the slave girl is no longer a slave. She is free. She's released from the, the spirit that binds her. 
But I don't know about you, but I don't suspect that when Paul and Silas got up that morning and headed out to the place of prayer, they could say, this is a place of prayer. We're in a church. We're gathered together. I don't know what your expectations are. But if you were to meet somebody, you know, on your way home, perhaps, and you release somebody, I don't know if you've got an expectation that you're going to release them from some sort of spiritual hold. You may have, maybe you're on the lookout for that, but I don't know. But even if you're not expecting that, I don't suspect that by the end of today, you're going to end up in prison for Jesus. I don't think Paul and Silas had got up in the morning and gone, right, we'll go to pray. We'll then free a slave girl and then we'll go to jail after a flogging. It just wasn't on their mind. But they took the situation as it arose and they continued with their mission. They didn't give up on the mission because they'd been flogged and thrown in jail. They didn't go, oh, well, we'll have to, we'll wait until we're released. We'll see what happens and then we'll get on with sharing the gospel. Oh, what a bind. They just carried on from wherever they were. This morning, as I was driving in, being not completely used to the area, I've not been to, I've not been to your church before, I've not been to Holy Trinity before, because I'm still new to this area. I only moved in the summer um, from West London. I was pleased to be released from there. Uh, and in fact, I'm living in Bristol because my wife's now working in Bristol and I'm working in Bath and I can do a bit of work from home and it's easier for me to commute than it is for her and all those things. But on the way in today, I was thinking, I'll get there nice and early, give myself, you know, 15, 20 minutes so that I make sure I'm there and I get settled in and can go, okay, this is what the church is like. I can see where the loo is. I can do whatever you need to do when you arrive at a new place. And what happened was there were roadworks. And they didn't delay me for long, but they just put a bit of a barrier in my day. And of course, I didn't break the law and go, no, I must go and follow this road. No, my mission was the same, but I had to abide by the law and I had to stop and then take the slight diversion. And then I followed it and I arrived a little bit late. It wasn't terrible. I survived. I don't want to compare too much with Paul and Silas because they've had a pretty horrendous time. I didn't get flogged. I didn't get beaten. But Something got in my way today that, that could have hindered me. And yet I was able to continue on my mission, which was to arrive at the church and then to be here with you and to preach. I don't know if any of you have ever been in prison for the gospel or at all. I don't need to tell me. It's not, it's not put your hands up time, confession. But I suspect that along the way in our lives, things have cropped up that have become a a bit of a hindrance. They've been a blockage in some way for what we were thinking, this is what we're called to do, or this is what we expect to do. And it's really easy to use it as an excuse. COVID was a little bit of a, it put a little bit of a something in the way, didn't it? It still is a little bit. For a lot of us, actually, no, it was huge. A huge thing in the way. And it's easy to make COVID an excuse. Oh, we couldn't continue with whatever we were doing. Oh, no, COVID meant that we couldn't. We had to stay at home. Therefore, we couldn't do whatever it might be. God's mission didn't change. Throughout COVID, God's mission remained the same. Just like God's mission with Paul remains the same. It was 
to share the gospel. My mission didn't change this morning when I was driving in. I was still coming to preach and to share the gospel with you. At the Life Project, we work predominantly with people with learning disabilities, mostly adults with learning disabilities. And we have um, day services that we offer for three days a week where people will come and they are involved in a number of activities. We also have a parent carer support group and we also run a fellowship group for adults with learning disabilities where they get to come together and worship God. When the Life Project started, it began because there were a number of families from different churches in Bath, and gradually over the years, they'd kind of met through different things because of their children. They, they shared something, which was their child had a learning disability. Different sorts of learning disabilities, but they had similar challenges in their life. Now, if maybe some of you have children or young people or grandchildren or nieces, nephews, friends, etc., you know somebody who somebody with a form of disability has been born into their family, maybe into your family. And it's a shock. It's a real shock. And lots of people really struggle. Lots of people struggle. Because what happens is, whether you know it or not, you have these dreams and ambitions for what your children will achieve and do in life. And that might be around the friends they'll make in school, or the job that they might one day do, or the relationship they might have. And you might subconsciously think, oh, one day I'll have children and then they'll get married and I'll have grandchildren and, and these things. And when a child is born that's a little bit different for one way or another, some, suddenly you go, oh, none of those things are gonna happen. Oh my goodness, what will I do? Plus you then are, confronted with oh, all sorts of challenges with the education system, the health system, social services. Just every step along the way, your family and friends go, oh, we're not sure. How do we, how do we speak to you? And yet you might still be joyous and excited. I've got a baby and life is good. But you're confronted with this whole new world. Now, those families that began the Light Project, they suffered, struggled with all kinds of things. But as they met and got to know each other, and by the time their children were young adults, they were kind of going, what's going to happen to them when we're not around? When we can't care for them anymore, what happens? Who will care for them? And so the Life Project began as they started going, well, the first thing we want for them is for them to be able to engage in worship. And church can be great, but just like perhaps you've got a, you might have a youth group or you have an older people's group or you have Bible studies and things for different specific groups of people, they set up a group that was specifically for people with learning disabilities to have to worship together. And then they were saying, well, who's going to care for them? And they, so the Life Project then began and we now have day services and the parent care of things. What they didn't do, which is what I love about these families is they didn't say we're going to give up what they did is they said god has given us something different than we expected but we have a mission and that mission is to share god's love and we want our children to know god's love and we want them not just to be the recipients but also to be part of god's mission 
And so they didn't just go, oh, something's come up in our lives and life is hard and life is challenging. I mean, they probably had those days and I don't blame them. And now if you came to, we call it the barn because that's what it is. Um, but we've got a little barn out in English Coombe where we have our day services. And actually, that's, we, don't, it, it, we won't overtly be like, do you know Jesus? You must come and we'll tell you about Jesus. Then no, that's, it's kind of, they'll do various activities. People will be making things or doing art and drama and all sorts of things. But I tell you what, Jesus is there. And as staff, we don't need to share Jesus because um, we call them makers rather than clients or things because they're always making things. They are sharing Jesus. So people can come and they'll hear about Jesus from those who have learning disabilities. They don't see it as a barrier. They see it as an opportunity. Now, what's the first thing that Paul does? Paul and Silas do when they're put in prison. They've been flogged. They're thrown into prison. They've been chained. Rather than moping around, and how many of us had those days where we moped during COVID? Oh, I'm so sick of the four walls of my whole house with all my good belongings in and the TV and all this sort of stuff. Oh, it's really terrible. There were days like that. I had those days. I'm not, I'm not holding it against you. Paul and Silas don't have the TV in the nice fort. They're in the inner bit of the prison and they're having a rough time. And yet, what do they do? They praise and worship. And then God does the miraculous. And there's an earthquake and there's this wind and they're set free. They're set free physically. The other prisoners are as well. It says they all were. And then the jailer's like, oh my golly, what's going to happen? Oh, they'll have all run away. Therefore, the authorities, I know what they're going to do to me. They're going to they're kill me because I've let all these prisoners go. So easy than that, I'll take my own life. And he's about to take his own life. And Paul calls out, said, no, don't do that. We're here. And the jailer's like, what? You've stayed in, why on earth are you still in prison? I mean, Why? You've got this opportunity to run. But it's not just Paul and Silas. All the prisoners are still there. So my suspicion is that they've all gone, wait a minute, this miraculous thing's just happened. We want to hear about this Paul and Silas, what their story is, and we want to hear about the gospel. So rather than it being a burden and something that is a problem or a barrier, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. And that's what I'm, I, I've recently started. I, I started working for the Life Project back in June. Um, and then eventually got to move. Coming up and down from London was not fun for a commute. Um, I know some people do that. Um, wasn't my thing. COVID has caused us some issues. There was things we couldn't do because we couldn't meet together. So we had to go online and we provided things in different ways. When you could, we got people together outside and masks and sanitizer. It wasn't ideal. It's still not ideal. But our mission continues because God's mission continues we're looking at our funding and thinking <clears throat> some of the fundraising we would have done couldn't happen because you couldn't gather people together and so on and so forth but God has been good and God has continued does continue to provide and we're now looking and thinking what's God calling us to now what's God calling us to now in this not quite post-covid world but it's not a recovery phase we might need a bit of stability to give people a bit of a chance to go, we're exhausted. But God's mission hasn't changed. 
And I don't know what your situation is. Perhaps you're looking for a new job. Maybe you've just moved house. Maybe you've just started a new job. Maybe you've just finished as a missionary in one place and you're in the UK, but you're going to end up in Northern Ireland. Maybe you've recently retired and you think, oh, I could put my feet up now. God's mission hasn't changed. God is still calling each one of us to be part of his mission. And we're not tied up in chains. Well, not that I know of. I mean, if any of you have got an ankle tag or something. Some of the people that I get to work with, they can't speak. They communicate in different ways. Some people see that as a barrier. Sometimes it's a huge barrier because it takes time. And I have to concentrate to go, what are they trying to communicate to me? People that know them better respond to them very quickly. But they're still able, despite whatever disability they have that we see as a disability, God sees them and God says, I love you. And you are part of my mission and I want you to engage in my mission. So they, in their special ways, get to share the gospel. Paul could have got up and left, but he doesn't. He stays. And I believe he stays because, yes, he's focused on God's great commission that Jesus said, go out into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yes, he's focused on that, but he is also aware of the great commandment. Jesus says, greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, which is why he's praising and worshiping God whilst in stocks in prison. And then love your neighbor as yourself. And in this case, the neighbor is the jailer. The jailer isn't the enemy, though we might perceive him to be, the jailer is the neighbor who has locked him up, probably been part of the flogging. But rather than having him kill himself or have him lose his life because the prisoners could be set free, Paul says we're still here. And therefore, in a very real sense, the jailer's life is saved, but more so he gets to encounter the gospel, and so does his household. And so the whole household come to know Jesus because Paul chooses to love his neighbor as himself. My encouragement to you is, as you think about mission, as you're praying for your mission partners, some of us are here, some of you've seen on the screen, pray for us. We need your prayers. First and foremost, pray. And sometimes, I know, I've been, on the receive, I've been the one sitting in a congregation hearing someone talk and they say, please pray for us, but also give to us. And I think what they really want is the money. And they're just doing the prayer bit because they're supposed to say that genuinely pray for us. The first thing that Paul does is pray. The thing that changes the situation is prayer. We want your prayers. We really, really want your prayers. Money's great. If you want to give to us, wonderful. But pray for us because that is first and foremost. Then don't be distracted 
by whatever barriers come your way, whatever perceived blockages, ask yourself, or actually ask God, how, how can I use this for God's glory? And then when you feel like, ooh, I'm free from this horrible, burdenous situation. Yes, I can get out as quickly as possible. Don't rush, because God might have a bigger and better purpose that you don't yet see. So although you might think, phew, in my case this morning, I'm through the traffic. I didn't then put my foot down to make up time, because that wouldn't have been good. God doesn't call us to rush to get away from things. He might have put something there for a reason because there is a greater purpose. And when we go out to make disciples, we have to do it focused on God's love, but in a way that we love our neighbour. On a sign that used to be up in a project that I worked with, they, they had said, the sign said, don't tell them Jesus loves them until you're ready to love them too. Which sometimes that's really hard because it's easy to tell people, well, it can be quite tricky to say Jesus loves you because we might get a bit embarrassed, but it's quite easy. It's relatively easy to say Jesus loves you. I think one of the biggest issues we have when it comes to evangelism in the church at the moment is as churches, the church of a big C, if you like, we've forgotten to show people that we love them. And we'll say, Jesus loves you. And they go, yeah, great. But do you love me? Do you care? You're not showing that. And sometimes it's really hard to love people because they don't look like us. They don't sound like us. They don't act in the way that we expect people to act. They can just be annoying. They can be completely 100% against us. And yet God says, love me, love your neighbor, and then go make disciples of them.